Well, hello, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Beyond the Cover. I am your host, John Robb, joined here by my fabulous co-host, Jeff Ayers. Jeff, how are you doing today? Doing great. Hope uh, the day is going great. It's for you as well. Every, everything is going wonderful. We have a very exciting interview coming up here. We're going to be speaking again with none other than New York Times bestselling author Steve Barry, who's going to talk to us about his latest book. It's book 15 in his Cotton Malo series called The Warsaw Protocol. So we're very excited to talk to him about that. I want to remind you all, of course, that all of our shows are brought to you by Suspense Magazine. So visit suspensemagazine.com for more information and Kensington Books. So visit kensingtonbooks.com for more information. But without any further ado, let's go ahead and bring Steve on. So, Steve, thank you so much for coming on today. How are you doing? Doing great. Great to be back. Always Thanks great to be this. back. And yeah, we are very excited about uh, the Warsaw Protocol. And um, again, book 15 in the Cotton Malone series. And this is a very exciting time because you, you kind of hit a sweet spot for me. I love when you start going back in like religious history and start talking about that. So give everybody a little bit about what you got going on in this one. Well, this is Cotton gets caught up in something, you know, he he doesn't really realize what it is until he's in there too late. But we have uh, Russia, the United States, China. Iran and North Korea are all after the same thing, but they all want it for a totally different reason. And it involves the president of Poland, and it involves an auction on information that would be damaging to the president of Poland. And so Cotton gets drawn into this in, in helping Stephanie out, and as he gets in, it gets deeper and deeper. And then as he gets to the auction, things go terribly wrong, and then the whole thing takes a, a very uh, twisty, spiraling kind of turn for him. So this is a book that deals with something very interesting to me because I, it's one of my favorite places in the world, and that's the country of Poland. I love the place. It's a wonderful country. It has a, a rich history. Uh, it is uh, a place that Americans know very little about, uh, and I hope this book will help to bring them up to speed a little bit on what's going on in Poland and what it was and what it's been like there over the centuries. Uh, there's some things from the past that become relevant today from Poland and then, then particularly in their more recent past right after the in the Cold War right after and right before the fall of the Soviet Union there's something that is going to come back to haunt them a little bit and so Cotton gets caught up in all this it's a it's a fun story of old and new well, you talk about uh, when you write, you want the big idea, and then the so what. Mm -hmm. So I'm wondering, first of all, did you plan to tackle Poland initially when you were thinking about doing the next book? And what was the big idea and the so what for this book? Well, I, I had to, I definitely wanted to tackle Poland. There's no question about that. And the, the ooh factor uh, out of this book is there's two of them, really. You've got the Arma Christi, which is there, the weapons of Christ, which are, are part of the novel and are the ticket in to the um, to the auction. And then you have the very interesting uh, history of what went on in Poland in the 1980s, particularly with its ex-president Lech Walesa, which I doubt very many Americans know a lot about. And mm -hmm. that that ties in and all all of that that happened then becomes very relevant today in what's happening with the president of Poland and what all of these countries are after. Right, I'm yeah. Be, I'm I, trying to be cryptic here because I don't want to give away the plot. Right, oh, yeah, of course, I mean, of course. yeah, I, and that's the thing. I think a lot of people, like you said, just don't understand what Poland is. I mean, besides, you know, the World War II and how they were taking over in like three days and then the Nazis kind of came in, it's a very, very – 
uh, mysterious country. So when you were kind of going and, and researching it now, like you said, it's one of your favorites, and you must have been there you know, several times. What's kind of the new things that you kind of learned in researching this book that kind of astonished you a little bit about Poland? Yeah, we made three trips to Poland, and we're going back again this year. We're taking a group oh, good. there. We're taking a group there in August on the Steve Berry and fans trip this year, and we're taking a group there to show them all the places from the Warsaw Protocol. Uh, we're going to go and visit all of the uh, the things that are in the novel. I learned an awful lot about That's the history cool. of Poland with writing this book. Um, I didn't know that the country was wiped from the face of the earth on se- in 1795. The Russians, <laughs> the Swedes, the Turks just divvied it up and wrote it off the map, gone. It came back, and then, of course, the Soviets tried to do the same thing to it uh, in the early part of the 20th century, but it, and the Nazis and the Soviets together tried to, but it came back again. It's a very resilient country. It, it suffers from a problem. It does not have any natural boundary barriers east and west. You can basically just roll into Poland from the east to the west with no trouble whatsoever. And that's why it became the battleground of Europe. A lot of wars were fought on Polish soil. And they've not been the the, the smartest in the world in the past in putting together some of their political structures. For a time, they elected a king, which is a really bad idea. For a time, they had a, a rule that one person in the national legislature could veto any piece of legislation. Everything had to be unanimous in the national legislature. You can imagine how difficult that was. Oh, God. Uh, all of this led to just political chaos and political turmoil that made them very unstable uh, politically, and that was made it very easy for foreigners to take over the country, and they did. They're bouncing back now. They have a strong you know, political structure in place. They have their independence. This book deals with their independence and a threat to it, one that was real and actually did happen uh, about 12 years ago, 12, 13 years ago. It actually did happen. So uh, we're, I'm using a real incident uh, in, in the novel uh, and then tweaking it just a hair. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's so much fun. Um, I do have to ask, um, there's a character's last name in here, and I'm just wondering... Is that a shadow to an author we both know? There, there actually is. Um, there's a president. <laughs> the president of Poland is is uh, Joseph is uh, James Janusz Janusz Czikowski, uh, yep. w- which is the real name of James Czikowski, which is the real name of James Rollins. So yes, he is the he is the president of Poland. He was very proud of that. He likes that very much that he's a president, and uh, he he wanted to know if he was handsome. <laughs> he, he wanted to know was he dashing? Uh, of course. He had a lot of questions about this. Movie. He had a lot of questions about himself. <laughs> a lot of questions there about it. I said he's just going to have to read the book and figure that out. Exactly. <laughs> That's so. Yeah, I, I I picked that up right away, and I just absolutely loved that. Well, it worked out great. Because, never going to be. Yeah. yeah. No, no one knows Jim's real name really, and you know, and when we travel together, you know, he he, he doesn't travel under James Rollins, so I always have to watch myself. You know, I, I need James Rollins' room. No, there, there's nobody here. By that name. You know, I, got, mm-hmm. I have to remember his real name but when we do that. But he, uh, it just worked out perfectly, and I wanted to use it. And he said, "Fine, it'd be great." Oh, that's, that's so awesome! I love that. Um, one of the things I love about your books is I always tell people my favorite novels to read are fun, but I also learn so much about 
maybe a country or its culture, and that's why I'm such a huge fan of yours. I'm wondering, can you talk a bit about the author notes at the end of the novel? Because, you know, you dive into, you know, the, your research and things like that, and I just find that fascinating. And from my own perspective, why don't you write nonfiction? Well, for one thing, nonfiction, you know, You've got to stay the history the whole time. You got to stay exactly right. where it is. You know, you can't deviate off of anything, which I could probably do. It's not a problem. I just have more fun deviating off of it just a little bit. I like taking right. the real, keeping it about ninety percent to the reality, twisting it up about ten percent, and that's why the writer's note is in the back to tell you what's real and what's not. I spend a lot of time writing that note, going through every paragraph of the novel, making sure that I explain anything. You know, it's true or false so that you don't leave the book with any misconceptions. And I think that's a responsibility that, that we have to do if we're going to write novels like this. I, um, I use about 400 sources to write a novel, so I use a lot of sources and a lot of information to put together. The trick is what not to use. Uh, my research is about four to six inches tall when I'm done of notes. I write everything down. I'm only going to use about 10% or 15%, maybe 20% at the most of what's in those notes. The rest of it is never going to see the light of day. And the trick is to figure out what not to put in there. You want people to be reading down the page, and then all at once, a little while later, they go, oh, I just learned something. You don't mm -hmm. even notice it till later. If they begin to notice that they're learning something, then there's a problem. You've got to be you got to be careful with that. And I'm not saying I'm perfect at doing mixing information with action. God knows none of us are, but I, I do make a concerted effort to be as careful as I can to mix the two. Yeah. And you do a great there's job. Definitely, that. There's definitely that balance there uh, with, with your novels. And, and the one thing that, that I'm always curious, because now, like we said, so we're in book 15 now of Cotton Malone. And, you know, all the stories are so new, unique and so different and all the history that you've covered in these 15 novels. But what's the biggest thing besides needing to pay mortgage and food brings you back to the typewriter all the time to want to get these stories out? What's the number one thing that drives you back there? Well, mortgage and food, did you just say? <laughs> well, besides no, those two things. There is no question. This is a full-time job for me, and I have to. I right. like to eat, so I have to produce the product. So, I mean, it is a living for me. Uh, mm -hmm. I have to, you know, to, to produce a novel once a year. Now, why do I stay with the series? I like the series. I like yeah. the characters. I like everything about it and how it's going and I have ideas to keep me going for years to come so mm -hmm. you know as long as I've got the ideas and I can put them together uh, I see no reason why I can't keep going I mean Dirk Pitt has been going over 50 years now right so you know I'm only in yeah. my 15th <laughs> I just like yeah I just like to know like the excitement like when you sit down at that first time and you already kind of have an idea what you're going to write is it that excitement and anticipation of what's going to happen in the book? Because I think you mentioned before that you kind of write a lot. You know, you do have an outline, but you kind of write a lot of things organically, and you kind of let them happen. So is that like a really big sense of kind of excitement for you going, all right, what's going to happen now with Cotton, even though you still have the basic outline of what you're going to do? There's no excitement at all. It's mainly terror and fear. 
because <laughs> I've got to produce the book in 12 months, and, I, and you're right, I don't have time to actually outline like I should. I do mm-hmm. a rough sketch of things to trust stay in ahead, but the, the fear is, you know, where's the plot? Where's this going? How's this going to be put together? It, there's a, the excitement left me a long time ago. The, the most exciting moment of writing a novel, and it never gets old, it's always exciting, is when you write the last word. And it's it's wonderful. Now, you're not done working. You've got a lot more to do on the novel, but at least you don't have to plot anymore or create anymore. And there is a sense of accomplishment when you finish that and you write that last word and you go, wow, I did it. I actually, I didn't think I was going to do it. I mean, six months ago, it looked really bad, but I did it. So that, I've always, always liked I don't get excited at the first word, but I do at the last word. Okay. No, I actually totally agree. I just finished a book myself, and uh, when I typed the end, I went, oh, oh. I was so happy. I couldn't believe it. Yeah. You're like, the end, you're like, then edit. <laughs> exactly. But it was yeah, cool. I'm just like, oh, my been, gosh. I've been with the book 18 months at that point, so I'm, I'm, yeah. and I've read it at that point about 40 or 50 times at that point, yeah. and I, I mean, I, I don't want to read it anymore, and I know I'm going to have to read it three or four more times. So it's, yeah. it's a really tough, it's really tough when you get to that point. But you, and those are the hardest reads too, because those are the the rereads and the edits that are where you're really it's getting pared down, it's getting shorter. Every time I read a book, it gets shorter. It, it never gets longer. It always gets shorter. Right. And and and, and so I just. You know, you're paring it down, and you're getting less and less. And as you know, your rereads are coming down to zero. You've got to get that novel where you feel really, really good about it that you can let people actually read it. My my editor and agent are reading the 2021 novel right now, and so I haven't heard what they had to say yet. So I'm I'm waiting to hear what they have to say. Mm-hmm. I'm just curious, where is it going to be taking place? It'll be uh, it's a uh, He's going to be going to some cool new places. Uh, it's going to deal with Germany, but it's going to take mm. place in Germany, South America, and South Africa, and then Switzerland. Wow. So he's going to some new places in this book. It's a really it was a fun novel. I enjoyed doing. It. I've been wanting to do this particular story for a long time. It's called The Kaiser's Web, and it mm. will be out next year. And it's a really interesting story that Cotton gets caught up in some German politics. Nice. Um, when you're when you're thinking of Cotton Malone and his adventures, do you find your readers prefer the international locales, or do they prefer uh, sticking in the United States? I, I I think they like the international. I really do. I, I think they prefer it. Uh, I think there's there's more excitement with the international. I did I did five books in, with the, with an American theme to them, and basically an American who factor and an American so what so um, and they did very well here they don't sell as well overseas because the they're just not as interesting to international audiences but they did very well here and once I exhausted those five American themes I just you know I knew I was going to come back starting with the Malta exchange last year and so right. Malta was the first run back this is the second and there'll be many more to come he's going to stay international for a while now, uh, I, I want to get him back to his roots. There's some places in the world I have want to send him that he's never been before. Now, that doesn't mean there won't be an American angle to the story sure. to some degree. Like, there like always here. will be. There always will be a little bit of an angle, but it will not be the heart of the story. It'll be very much like 
the uh, the novels from the Templar legacy up to um, the King's Deception were like, and then starting with the um, uh, the Jefferson Key, I've, I've started him overseas, and then we did our five books. I mean, I, I was starting him in America. We did our five books here. Right. Mm-hmm. Cool. Right. I had to hesitate a moment. I had to remember the title. Isn't that weird? How you actually forget <laughs> the titles of things? It's weird. Yeah, but those, like, like, but those books like ten years old, and you're already into twenty one, and right, the next right. one, and you probably get. I mean, it's kind of like you know. It, it, see, that's the thing that a lot of people don't understand when we're interviewing you. Like you said, I mean, this book was done a while ago, and you're already on to the next one, so you're yeah. kind of having to go back. I do. I have to, to reread the, the novel. Yeah. Actually, I have to get it out yeah. and thumb through it because see, I wrote. I wrote the book last year. I wrote the book in 2017, I mean 18, turned it in in January of 19. I haven't laid eyes on it since about March of 19. Man. So so I have to get the book out and go back through it because I've already written another novel and starting another one. And it, it, people look at us it, like we're weird, but your mind just sort of forgets these details. You can't keep all that in there. There's no room. Right. Now you mentioned I earlier what I that had you're for breakfast. So anyway, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't even know what we're gonna have for lunch. So you mentioned earlier that you're that you're gonna go back to Poland, you're in Poland, and you're taking some people to kind of show yeah. them around. Now, have you done that in the past? I don't yeah. remember you doing. Okay, you oh. have. And are you, is this something you're gonna do in the future? And how do uh, people I don't know. get involved uh, with that? We've done several. We did uh, we did one to southern France for the uh, the Templar legacy. We did okay. Uh, we did uh, Czech Republic for the uh, Columbus affair. We did a river cruise. We went to Germany and did the uh, Christmas markets and for the Charlemagne pursuit and the third secret. Uh, we went to Malta last year. We took a group to Malta for the Malta Exchange, and we went all over Malta. This year we're going to uh, Poland. If anybody would like to go, we've got about three slots still left. We, we cut it off this year at about 35 people, what one bus will hold, and we've got about three or four slots left. They can go to my website, steveberry.org, go to the right. events section, and you will see a link that will take you if you're interested in coming along with us there. They're a lot of fun. We we go. I take them where I did the research. I show them we're going to go down in the salt mines, which are in the novel. We're going to go across Krakow. We're going to go up to Chesnokova, which is the holiest place in Poland. These are all places in the novel, and I show them all of my research and how I did it, and we talk about books. It's a lot of fun, and we will not be doing one next year. We'll probably do one in 22 for the German book going okay. to Bavaria, and then I don't know what will happen after that. That's a, that's, that's a little ways down the road. Kind of like walking Cotton's footsteps. That's so cool. That's what we do. That's exactly what we do. Yeah. We had a big trip in Poland, I mean in, Mal- in Malta. We had 60 people, and it was wonderful to have them there, but it, we realized it's a little too big. Normally we have about 30 to 40 people. And so we're going to cut it down to what one bus holds. We had two buses there. So we've got about, as I said, three or four slots. I think there's about 30 or 31, and we've got room for about 35. Nice. Yeah, it, it's a great tour until they start until you start shooting at people. I was just going to say that. But, uh, <laughs> well, this is where Cotton got shot. We cut we cut down on the on the gunfire to some degree, and we don't we, we try not to to do that too much. But I do. We will walk through the, the salt mines, and they'll be able to see a lot of that stuff. And uh, it, it 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 should be a lot of fun. Really, it's a seven day venture, and it's all inclusive. And uh, you know, some people might enjoy coming along with us. Yeah, 35 venters, 33 come back. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So you've you've talked about your future 
cotton books and where they're located. But I'm wondering if you think about the arcs for Cotton and Cassiopeia uh-huh. and Stephanie. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah, do, you, yeah. do you have those plotted out for the next few books as yeah, well? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I have it. I started something in this novel with Stephanie. I don't want to give it away to the reader, but I started something here with Stephanie in this novel, and that's going to carry through the next three or four books. Uh, so there, there's going to be a, kind of an arc there. It, it, mm-hmm. it, it will still allow each book to be a standalone, so it won't be like you had to read this book to understand it. But we are going to keep some of that going a little bit as in her relationship with Danny Daniels and uh, you know things like that yes I have a I have a little arc in my mind Cassiopeia is uh is in next year's book she's not in this book I wanted Cotton to be alone in this one she's in next year's book and then she will uh she will not be in the the book after uh and and she kind of comes back about every other one or so uh uh, Luke's going to come back in 20 in 22 He'll be back. And so I, I sort of switch them in and out and try to keep them in and out. You don't want too many characters in the novel. It gets hard to keep up with. So I, I, I try to keep it down to Cotton and one other, maybe two at the most, but certainly not three or four. Gotcha, yeah. Um, and I have to ask, because um, what, what's the latest with seeing him on the screen? Well, they're still talking. They're still, uh, you know, it's it, it's optioned. They actually uh, took an option now with with terms to buy. So they actually went another step, which is kind of fun. We went past an option to option with terms to buy. So they are working hard. They they think they may. They're they're they they sound optimistic, but I'm not. I'm a little pessimistic about it. Uh, so he's he's there. We also did something else. We sold the rights to the Romanoff prophecy to a fine actor named Brooks Darnell who wants to play Miles Lord. And so he has those rights, and he's working hard to bring that to the screen. I think the Romanoff prophecy would make a great movie. Really yeah. would. Yeah. That would be a good oh, one. Cool. Yeah, that would, that would definitely a good one. And The Amber Room. Oh, that, that's a good that would be a good movie, an excellent oh, movie yeah. as well. Uh, I've got four standalones there that would be fun to sell to, you know, to someone who could, who could bring it to the screen. But so far, only the Romanoff prophecy has shown any interest. Yeah. So, Steve, so the best place for everyone to find out all the information is just to go to your website, steveberry.org, where you have a fabulous website and everything's always updated. Um, yes. And what type of social media are you typically more active on if people want to kind of hang out and see out there? Facebook. We have a Facebook fan page. That's, the, that's what we do, and we keep that current every day. Uh, so okay. we're, we're on there. It's a Steve Berry Facebook fan page, and we keep the website, as you said, current every day. Everything yeah. right there. And uh, so that's how the quickest and way sign to – Sign up for that newsletter. Make sure people sign, sign up, up for that newsletter. newsletter. Yeah, they get yeah, they get the first the dibs on everything. The newsletter people do, and and uh, we we tr- we try not to barrage you. We do about three or four a year is all we do, and yeah. uh, and so if you want to keep up with it, everything is there. Yeah, well, I'll tell you. So the book is out now, everybody. It is called the Warsaw Protocol. It is the fifteenth book in the Cotton Malone series by none other than the great Steve Berry. So, Steve, it's always a pleasure to talk to you, man. Again, thank you so much for the time, and we wish you nothing but the best. Thank you so much. I'll see you at Thriller Fest. Absolutely. We'll see you there, man. Have a good one. All right. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye.